Let's take our Bibles tonight, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're so glad you're here this evening. I want to greet our visitors, uh, John and Anthony, are here tonight for the first time, visiting from the Brentwood area. We're glad you're here tonight. I hope as members you can reach out to them. Discipleship classes are making their way in, so we're going to have a good time tonight. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Uh, Paul wrote this letter about a year after he wrote 1 Thessalonians. These were the first two epistles that were written by Paul, and so they have the characteristic Pauline style attached to it, and we're praying tonight that God will use this study to help us. Now, you need to be here for all the services we preach from 2 Thessalonians because there's going to be some prophecies we're going to get into and some other, some other uh, doctrinal areas that perhaps don't get preached on much, and uh, we're going to spend some time on those, and we may just go back and revisit, recycle it again, and we want to be encouraged. There are three short chapters, but a lot of content that helps stir our hearts up. Then I'd like to ask you to be in prayer for this coming Sunday. Probably will be the, the last or second to last message I'll be bringing from the Gospel of John on our series, Nothing But the Truth. And so I'm praying about just which uh, series I want to start right after that. But it'll be a good one as we're in chapter 21 of John. So I hope you'll be in prayer for that and that God will stir our hearts for, for just the subjects that are covered in that. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all towards each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. I call your attention to verse 3 powerful, powerful phrase that Paul uses here. He talks about their faith that groweth exceedingly. And I just want to take a moment this evening for us to take to, to do examinations internally of our lives and for those watching by live stream tonight. And I want to ask you the question, how far have you grown in your Christian life? Have you just been a Christian 25 years or you've grown 25 times over in your Christian life? And the same, do you want to examine this area of spiritual growth? Are we growing? Are there, because God, as God measures it according to his word, do we see incremental measurements of our faith? And so this evening, I want to preach a message that's entitled, Growing by Leaps and Bounds. Because that's what Paul talks about here. He talks about this church that he helped start that had not been around very long. But these believers, he described their faith as growing exceedingly. It was, it was growing. It was expanding. They had a hunger for the things of God. The same excitement they had when Paul first went there in Acts chapter 7. It was still growing and abounding in them. And we want to get that same fervor in our hearts as we grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless your word tonight. Help us to grow. Give us understanding. Open thou our eyes so we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Order our steps, O Lord, according to thy word. And we'll thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Our series has been entitled The Church Triumphant. And as we know, the churches, uh, churches are the people who make it up. A church member is someone who saved, baptized, in the Lord, and then serving and loving and committed members. And so those are good things. A, a church, the people of the church that make up the church, the core of the church, are saved, baptized people serving who are loving members and committed members of the church. Now, no church can be triumphant unless it has members who are experiencing spiritual triumph in their life. My prayer for you this week and going forward is that every one of us would be triumphant in your faith in Jesus Christ. No church can be a triumphant church. No church can go forward. No church can grow unless its members collectively are growing. As Paul begins the second letter to the th church of Thessalonica, a church that he loved, a church that he was very fond of, a church, in fact, he 
was at Corinth when he wrote these letters. Paul had great memories of this church, and he was remarking how they grew in the Lord. He commended them, notice in verses 3 and 4, for a growing faith. Now, you might want to think about this tonight. Your faith is one of the, fo- of the following. Either you have a dead faith, one that is not growing, one there's no works, which is the same as no faith. Either you have a dead faith, you have a little faith, which I think that characterizes maybe a lot of us many times that we just have very little faith. We're just really not willing to venture out in deep waters. Or we have a growing faith, which is a good thing. Or what Paul describes here is a faith that groweth exceedingly. So we want to look at some, some things tonight as we study this passage. How do you have, how can you and I attain a faith that groweth exceedingly? It's interesting, I was studying that word for that. The word groweth exceedingly is one Greek word. Now, when the English translators got to the King James translators in 1611, they, they had to break this one Greek word down to, to two words. And, and the two words are, are growing exceedingly. But it's one word, and it basically means incredible growth. I mean phenomenal growth, mega growth. It's better than expected growth. It's, um, it's to increase above an ordinary degree. Growth that is way beyond usual. And so we have to look at ourselves sometimes. We, you know, I, I think many of us are kind of followers in many ways. And as followers, we kind of tag along with somebody else, and we look at saying, well, you know, uh, and I'll use Brother Anthony's example, but uh, let's just say Aunt, Brother Anthony right here is just growing exceedingly, and we find that there's new verses of Scripture that God is giving him from the Bible that are encouraging his faith, and he's grasping hold of it. We might look at him as our marker and say, well, you know, I'm just going to follow his faith and grow it like that. And that's not a bad thing. I think, you know, the Bible encourages us that whose faith follow. We need to follow the faith of those who are growing. And, uh, you know, we may tag along with someone else, but we must understand that really, our, our measurement of our faith and growth is, must be the Word of God. We must measure ourselves saying, how am I growing according to the Word of God? And so that means as we approach the area of growth, we've never attained. I think we have to always remind ourselves, according to Philippians chapter 3, we never attained. We really never hit, hit the maximum goal. We have to see ourselves pushing and climbing. And it's kind of like just a, a mountain climb. You just keep on climbing until you get to the peak. But we've got to keep going there. It's interesting as we look at faith this evening. Look in verse 3. Paul talks about a faith that growth exceedingly. And then we go down another verse or so. Notice verse 4, he talks about faith and patience. And then in verse 11, he talks about faith and power. Now, that's kind of interesting pairings as we look at first, uh, 2 Thessalonians 1. He talks about faith that growth exceedingly. He talks about faith and patience. And then he talks about faith and power. Now, they all go together. And we have to understand our faith that our faith must be one that is growing. But our faith must be one that experiences patience according to God's word. And that's one of the tests of faith, whether or not we're growing in patience, whether or not we're able to withstand things and go through things. The Bible says tribulation worketh patience. And then we look at verse 11. We need to understand and ask ourselves, does our, is our faith endued with power? And that brings us full circle back to Hebrews chapter 11 when we think about that great chapter of faith. So tonight I want us to take some notes this evening as we pursue, how do we pursue and possess a faith that groweth exceedingly? Number one this evening, would you write this down? I want you to notice the mark of, of a growing faith, the mark of a growing faith, or faith that groweth exceedingly. I want you to notice the mark. Now let me make some statements this evening. God's will is that there's spiritual growth in our lives. Can you hear an amen? God's will is that there's spiritual growth in our life. Now, you even have to ask yourself this question, did you grow this morning? Are you growing in your, your prayer devotion to God? 
I, I, don't, I don't even want to talk about prayer time with God. I think it's more of our prayer devotion with God. Do you feel like there's areas that you're being tested in or tried in that you feel that, that you're watching God uh, put you on your back every now and then and you feel like there's some changes there? Are there some difficult moments you're going through right now, some testing you're going through that's testing your faith? Those are things God uses to help you know, to determine whether or not there's growth there. So notice he talks about here there's spiritual growth and growth that, and, and a faith that grows exceedingly. Now, what are those marks? Well, let's go to Ephesians 4.13. We're going to break some things down. Notice in Ephesians 4.13 tonight, there is a goal to this exceeding growth. There is a goal. And notice Ephesians 4.13. If you're there, and I'd like us all to read that together. I want you to read that loudly and clearly me together. Ephesians 4.13. Are you there? You're there. You guys are sleeping. You don't know where you're at. Are you in church this evening? Okay. Ephesians 4.13. It's been a hard week for the church. Let's read it together. This might wake you up. All together, please. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Man, that's a lot there. Amen? I mean, look at the, well, look at the definition as we, we, you go from verse 1, get to verse 13. He says, till we all come in the unity of faith. Now, let's kind of pull this together. There are four things he's talking about here that represents the goal in spiritual growth. Number one, a perfect man. The Bible says about Job that he was a perfect man. Now, that doesn't mean that you and I attain perfection. We're not going to do that until we get to heaven and attain glorification. But a perfect man, the word perfect in the, in the New Testament, is the word that describes the ultimate immaturity, that, you are, that you're, you're rounded out in your walk in the Spirit, that you're a man who has a heart after God. And so you notice here he talks about this perfect man. Now, we're going to define that perfect man a little bit more as we get into this, but it represents things like doctrinal stability. It represents being cool-headed. It represents being uh, persevering through difficulties. It has the ability of quoting scripture when you hit in a situation that God puts scripture in your mind and that stabilizes you. It's your ability to pray at any moment at any time. It's your ability to withstand a, a you know, a, maybe a, a, a sudden change in your life that happens that you didn't know where they came from, but you're trusting in God. That's a perfect man. And then notice he says this, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I love that phrase, the fullness of Christ, that we realize that Christ embodied us full, fully and completely. We looked at that last week when we looked at Ephesians chapter 1 and the prayer, the prayer of the Apostle Paul, how he prayed for believers to be filled with the word of his knowledge and the spirit of his wisdom and the power of God, the stature of the fullness of Christ. I mean, the bottom line is we go to Romans chapter 8, verse 29, and the Bible emphasizes the importance of conformity to Jesus Christ. We're to be more like in the image of Jesus Christ. I mean, so now we look into the mirror of God's word. And as we look in the mirror of God's word, in the beginning, we don't like what we see because we see ourselves. You shouldn't like what you see. You should behold what you are. And as you see what you are, you really in comparison to what God wants us to be, we've got a long way to go. But as we continue looking at that mirror and the Word of God just changing our life and it's working through some things out and it's cutting some things out and it's adding some and grafting some new things in, we start seeing a change in our life. And the mirror of what we see in the Word of God should reflect that we're getting more and more like Jesus Christ in our temperament and more and more like Jesus Christ in our thinking and more and more like Jesus Christ in what we do there. And notice he talks about there, the statue of the fullness of Christ. And then notice this, he talks about the knowledge of the Son of God. Do you know who Jesus is? Can you defend your faith? 
Can you articulate on the person of Jesus Christ and defend that he is the Son of God and that he was eternal from the beginning, he's eternal to the end, that he's, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then he talks about the unity of the faith. The goal is spiritual growth as we are growing more like Jesus Christ. There's something interesting that correlates with that. We're abounding in our love for the body of Christ, that is the local church. But he find, we find that there is a unity factor, that Christians who are growing in Christ are growing in love. And when you're growing in love, you're growing in Christ. And when you're growing in the two, there's a unifying factor in the church. Listen, the greatest desire we want to, we want to fulfill is the prayer of Jesus Christ in, in John chapter 17, that the church would be one in him. And that unity means we, we're, it gets us past personality differences and personality quirks and a lot of oddities about our lives that are different and realizing our goal is to be united in Jesus Christ and what we do there. Let's remember that in spiritual growth, the goal is Jesus Christ. Amen? The goal is Jesus Christ, to be conformed to his image here. 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You will be glory both now and forever. And we need to emphasize there, we're to grow in grace and we're to grow in knowledge. And the emphasis, the order that God put it there is grace and in knowledge. Grace works on our spirit. We, we serve in grace. And through God's grace, our, his strength is made perfect in weakness. So we grow in grace and in knowledge. Too often, we're so focused on the knowledge that the grace is not at work in us. I mean, we talked about that Sunday night when we looked at the subject of bitterness and Ahithophel. And that's when to overcome bitterness, we have to grow in the grace of the Lord. And to be victorious over bitterness, we have to have the grace of God abounding and work in our life there. So we notice this evening that we must grow in grace and in knowledge. George McDonald said this, all growth that is not towards God is growing to decay. I thought that was an interesting thought. All growth that is not towards God is growing to decay. Our desire should be like the Apostle Paul, that I may know him, that I have a thorough and intimate knowledge and relationship with Jesus Christ. So there's a goal in growth. But notice there are the gifts in growth. Would you write that down? The gifts in growth. And I want you to turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1 because we're going to be in there for the next two, two points here. But I want you to turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1 for a moment. And let's see some things that God gives us to help us in our growth. By the way, how many believe tonight God is interested in your growth? Amen? God's will is that you grow. God's interest that you, that you grow. God gives us a gift. Listen, sometimes we start the Christian life, we say, man, it's so hard. And it's so difficult. Everything in life is difficult. But you have to have a starting point. But I want to encourage you this evening. God is interested in your growth. God is there to help you there. So notice these gifts here. Notice in 2 Peter 1, and I want you to notice verses 1 to 4 as I read that, okay? He says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith. Who's that? That's you and me. We've obtained the like precious faith. Hey, did you know we all start the same? We all start at the foot of the cross, Amen. We all start the same. There's, there's no, God doesn't give preferential treatment to one person or the other. We all start the same. And so as we start the same, he's given us a like, precious faith. That's the basis for our fellowship. That's the basis for why we come together. We have a like, precious faith. Our faith is one that's precious. We've obtained like, precious faith uh, with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm glad he inserted that there. Faith in Jesus Christ is, gives us this righteousness in God. It's through the righteousness of God, not our self-righteousness. Verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want you to notice this evening. As we get through these, these verses, I want us to see the gifts that God gives us to help us grow. The first is found here in verse 3. Notice there's the gift of power. In verse 3, it says, according as his divine power has given unto us all things. Now, you want to underline those words given in verses 3 and 4. 
The word given, you might want to do a word study. The word given is the word, the Greek word doriomai. I remember studying that back when I was in college, uh, studying my Bible one day, and I, man, it just really changed my life as I understood that word doriomai. Doriomai means freely given from God. It means there's no strings attached to it. It's the gift of God. Hey, listen, God's power through the Holy Spirit is God's free gift in our life. You know, uh, Simon Magnus thought he could buy the gift of God. He thought he could buy the power of God. And Peter told him, thy money perished with thee. Notice again in verse 3, according as his divine power has given unto us, notice this, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now that's shouting ground right there, amen? He's given us through the Holy Spirit all things that pertain to life and godliness. The gift of God is the power of the Spirit working in your life. Thank God the moment you got saved, the Holy Spirit indwelt you, but he's not content just indwelling you. It's his active working in our life. He is the agent in our salvation. He's the agent in our sanctification. Notice, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. So notice his power. This power is working in us through the Holy Spirit, who's our teacher and who's our comforter. And as he works in our life, he leads us into the knowledge of the things of God. Through that knowledge, it changes us. I mean, you know, there are things you read just for intellectual stimulation, and there are things that we read to change our life. For instance, if you were diagnosed with a very serious ailment, and you want to find out what's going on, guess what you're going to do? Today, with the power of the Internet, you start Googling that disease, and as you Google that disease or sickness, you start finding out all the what's the status of that, if there's remedies for that, is it something that can be cured or is it something that can be controlled, okay? And so there's some sicknesses that, you, that there are no cures for. You can only, they can only control it, so you've got to watch your diet. All of a sudden, your interest level in knowing everything about that disease or sickness is perked up. In fact, it's stepped up 10 degrees because you want to know how to deal with this so it doesn't, you don't get, you have declining health. You want to at least have stable health. And so all of a sudden, you're taking great interest. You become an expert in that. It changes you because you change your diet, you change your lifestyle, you change your perspective, you change what you're doing because you're trying as much as possible to manage that sickness without having to go on a bunch of medications. Notice what he's saying here. We, he's called us, he's, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that's called us a glory and virtue. We attain that knowledge of Jesus Christ. Hey, the more you know about Jesus, the stronger you're going to get, amen? And he says here, he's called us to glory and virtue. So that power is leading us to this Christ-centered life. It's leading us to that perfect man that we read about in Ephesians 4.13. But it's not just a gift, the gift of his power. Notice verse 4. There's the gift of his promises. Whereby are given unto us what? Exceeding what? Great and precious promises. That's great. That's the word of God, is it not? So God has given us his Holy Spirit. God has given us his word. It's the precious milk of the word of God. 2 Peter 3.2, notice he speaks about God's word this way, that you might be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior. He's talking about the word of God there. In chapter, chapter 1, he talks about the fact that God has given us a more sure word of prophecy. All through First and Second Peter, he talks about the word of God which endureth forever. God's pure word is unchanging word, and he talks about his exceeding great and precious promises. Why did he give those to us? Well, look at verse 4 again. That by these promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, that is a powerful passage. The power, the power of God's word, when we get saved, we've escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. We are partakers of the divine nature of God. 
these promises of God's word, we want to look for promises from God's word and say, wow, that's a great promise I can claim that can help me. Here's a prayer, a model of a prayer I can pray. Here's something I can do for my life. Here's these things that Paul's given us. You go back one chapter to second, uh, to First Thessalonians chapter 5, and we look at things like praying without ceasing and, that, and the Paul's prayer that we would be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and abstaining from things that are evil. You look at all those things. There are promises the word of God gives, God gives us so that you and I can grow in grace and abound in what he does there. So we have the gift of his power, the gift of his promises. But notice in verse 4, the gift of his participation. Now God, as we grow, God is the active agent working us. The Holy Spirit is working us. Look at verse 4 again. That he's given us great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. We participate with God working in us. And what a powerful thought. God is working in us. We do our part, but God does his part to transform and change it. Spiritual growth is when we no longer focus on me, but on Jesus and becoming like him. If your goal in spiritual growth is just to catch up with somebody else or to compete with somebody else, or just to say that you've gotten a Bible certificate or one of those things, that's all good, but that's not going to get you closer to Jesus Christ. You can be intellectual without being spiritual. It's more important to be spiritual and being intellectual at the same time. Spurgeon said this, the man who is deeply discontented with himself is probably growing fast into the full likeness of Jesus Christ. And so tonight, we're looking at the marker for spiritual growth. Paul said about those believers at Thessalonica that your faith groweth exceedingly. So we notice this here tonight. We see there's a goal in growth. We see tonight that there's the, we see this evening the gifts for growth, but notice there's a gradualness in growth. Look at 2 Peter again, chapter 1, and notice how, we, how, how growth occurs. Now, I think all of us would like to think like we can take a, a pill, and all of a sudden we'll grow these 20-inch biceps from taking this pill, okay? And it doesn't happen that way. There comes over time. We have to realize that this exceeding growth that he's talking about, this faith that grows exceeding, is gradual. It happens over time. It's incremental over time. It could be exponential, but it happens over time. You're not going to get to the full measure of Christ in one week or one month or one year. It's a lifetime of development that God has. Hey, listen tonight. Set your focus and your sight at the end of the line, at the end of the race. At the end of the race, you want to be able to say that God, that you can stand before God and he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, that you've grown in your faith, that you can say like Paul when he said, I fought a good fight, I've kept the course, I finished the faith, I fought a good fight, I've kept the course, I've finished the faith. I mean, you want to be able to say, I've finished everything the way I should have and that I've attained that. Now notice his gradual growth, 2 Peter 1, verses 5 to 10. Paul's talked about the power, he's talked about the promises, he's talked about the participation. Notice, and he says, and besides this, he says, now listen, God's doing his part. God gave you the promises, and God gave you the power. Again, we're talking the mark, how to become like Jesus Christ. But he says, listen, there's your part in this. There's gradualness. And he says, beside this, this is where you're involved and I'm involved. He says, beside all this, giving all diligence. Listen, we've got to work at growing. Listen, you've got to schedule time to read your Bible. You've got to, you can't do it haphazardly. You've got to schedule time to read your Bible. And you've got to schedule time to pray. And you've got to schedule time to be in the preaching. And you've got to schedule time to have your, your, your sword sharpened and iron sharpening arm. And he says, besides all this, giving notices, all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. And notice the key word there is add. We're adding these increments of grace. We're adding one on top of the other. Here's your faith right here. Your faith started out as a like precious faith in Jesus Christ. Your faith in Christ was the, brought you into the righteousness of God. You have no righteousness of your own. Faith alone in Jesus Christ gave us that righteousness of God. Faith through the, the righteousness which is of God through faith. Here's our faith. Now we're adding to our faith right here. We're adding to our faith virtue. 
and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. The ultimate is getting to the place which Paul talked about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2, or verse 3. He talks about where our charity is abounding. Charity is that love of God work in life where you and I are able to love people just like Jesus did. In fact, even to the place where we can exemplify John 15, 13, greater love is no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. A great sacrificial love. And so we're looking at the mark here for this exceeding great growth there. We're adding. Growth is gradual. We continue to add and to add and to add. There is spiritual growth there. So notice number one tonight, we see the mark. Notice number two, we see the means. Go back to 2 Thessalonians, if you would, please. Paul talked about a faith that groweth exceedingly. It was a mark of this, this church. It was a young church. But it was a dynamic church. This word, growth exceedingly, remember earlier I said it talks about incredible growth. My great prayer for our church, I love to see incredible growth. Amen? I want to see phenomenal growth in your life. I want to see phenomenal growth in our new believers. I want to see people hungry for the word of God. Abounding growth, exponential growth. So notice these believers, what was happening? What, what did these Thessalonian believers do to attain this faith of growth exceedingly? In the face of persecution. In the face of a pagan hostile culture. How did they grow like that? Why don't you see some things tonight? Number one, let's go to this. We're going to do a study through 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. But how do you have a growth faith that grows exceedingly? Well, number one, you need to be rooted in the scriptures. Now, if you're not in discipleship, you need to get in discipleship. And if you've graduated from discipleship, you need to be at a place where you have a burden for somebody else that you're willing to take the time to grow a new Christian. Everybody wants to take somebody that doesn't have any baggage with them, but I'm going to be honest with you, okay? Everybody that gets saved has got some form of baggage, and we've just got to be determined that we have a heart for seeing people grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice how Paul makes mention of this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, about the effect of the Word of God in their lives, how the Word of God got rooted in their hearts here. Notice 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. Let's read it together. You're falling asleep on me tonight. Okay, verse 13, let's read together. For this cause also, thank we God without ceasing. No, stop there. What's he thanking God for without ceasing? About the word of God in their lives. Notice what he says there. Because, let's keep reading. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Paul was commending this church that in the beginning days when he stood there, remember Acts 17, he reasoned with them out of the scriptures. He opened and alleged that Christ is the Son of God who died and rose again from the dead. He's, uh, he's, he's grounding the scriptures. They got saved. Hordes of people got saved, large numbers of them, and they started growing. And so Paul and Silas and Timothy, and that's why as we look at the opening here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, he makes mention of the three, the, the team of teachers there, Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Silas and Timothy went back to further ground them. Paul went ahead. He sent them back. He sent Timothy back another time. We read about that in 1 Thessalonians 3. He was concerned for their growth. And there was something about that church that was phenomenal. They had a hunger and a thirst for God. They greatly desired God. God's word. And listen this evening, if you desire God's word to grow in your life, you should have that same desire for other people to grow in the Lord, that they desire God's word. And so we must be rooted in the scriptures. And he was thanking God that this church, this church was receiving the word of God as it is in truth, the word of God, and they were watching work in life. Now here's how do you measure growth. Is God's word working? Or are you just reading it? It's just words. 
Or you just mean to just kind of check off a list that I read a chapter today. It's a change your life. I mean, do you pause at the words? I mean, they're phrases and words that are making you stop and think about things. And then notice 2 Thessalonians 2.15. Later on now, the second letter, he makes this statement to them about the Word of God. In 2 Thessalonians 2, as we work our way through it, we're going to see some things as he talks about coming judgment, and he talks about prophetical things, and he talks about some some, uh, falling away. And then he gets to chapter 2, verse 15, the second letter, and he says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. So he talked about holding fast to the word of God. Paul told Timothy the same thing. In fact, recurrently in Paul's letters, he tells the believers, hold fast to the word of God. Hold fast to the traditions you've received. Hold fast that which was passed down to you. The word of God dwelt in them richly. I love Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. We needed to abound in us. They were word-filled believers. Now, look at your Bible reading this year and your Bible studying this year. Where are you at? If you, if you're, let's say perhaps you're, you're doing well and you're up to target and you're seeing change in your life, you're finding the fruit of the Spirit is abounding in your life, you're finding that the power of God is working through you, you're finding John 15, 7 and 8, that God, Christ is abounding in you, where John 15, 7 and 8 says, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, it shall be done unto you. Here is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. You're seeing consistent answers to prayer. You're seeing God exercise your faith and stretch your faith. You're seeing people saved. You're seeing, you're seeing fruit being added to the things of God. Then I would say that you're seeing God's word working you. But if you're still the same and there's no change and your temperament hasn't changed and you still have the same reaction to people instead of knowing how to respond to things, you're still having the same reaction to people as you've had for 20 and 30 and 40 years, then I would dare, dare encourage you tonight that you need to test step out and let God's word change you. You need to be like Ehud, who, who the Bible says he thrust his dagger in deeply and the dirt came out. We need God's word to get thrust in us deeply and sometimes we need the dirt to come out, if you would, uh, first of all, so that God's word can work us. Because listen, the word of God, the word of the Lord is perfect, Burning the soul. The statue of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The commandments of the Lord are, are, are righteous altogether. Listen, we get all of God's work in our life. There's a transformation that comes about from that. So we need to be rooted in the scriptures. But notice, secondly, there must be the repeat of supplication. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer time? Are you just going through a list? Are you finding that you're growing more in holiness? Are you growing your hunger and thirst for God? Or is the busyness of the day crowning out prayer out of your lives? Listen to this tonight. The last thing we read in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 was Paul saying this, pray without ceasing. I find that the greatest medicine, the greatest counsel we can adopt for our lives is really when we look at everything going on that's not going right, we can trace it back to one thing. We didn't pray that morning. We didn't pray that night. We didn't spend time in prayer. We just kind of checked things off and went through a list, and we just said, well, I got it done, and we looked at our time rather than spending time with the Lord there. In 1 Thessalonians, notice some ways in which Paul talks about praying. Notice, um, notice chapter 3, verse 19. We're back in 1 Thessalonians for a moment. He says, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face. How about that? And might perfect that which is lacking your faith. I mean, that's the heart of a discipler. Night and day praying for them. He talked about in chapter 1 the same thing. He talked about, he says in verse, verse 2, chapter 1, verse 2, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. 
He talked about in chapter 5, go back to chapter 5 again, and he said this, he said, uh, he said brethren, pray for us. And then before that, he said this in verse, two, verse 23, I pray God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be reserved blameless to the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The only passage of Scripture in the whole New Testament Paul talks about repeated praying, praying without ceasing, is right there in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. I think Paul knew something about the medicine of prayer. Paul realized that prayer is a greater work that we do. There must be the repeat of supplication, praying without ceasing, walking when you're praying, praying when you step on an elevator, praying when you're driving, praying when you're out so when you're just praying, asking God to bless. And then notice thirdly, there must be the resolve in suffering. Now I'm going to tell you this tonight as we look at this. Look at verse Thessalonians 2.14. But there must be, we must be rooted in the scriptures and we must be, uh, we must be repeating in our prayer, the, the repeat of, of, of our supplications. But I want you to notice this church here uh, this church at Thessalonica and what they were going. This is one of the reasons why they were, they were, that God blessed them with spiritual growth. Notice he said this. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. Now he's talking about the church of Jerusalem and extension ministries and church starts that were planned outside that we don't know about. Because of those many people that got saved in Jerusalem, many of them went out and commissioned out and started churches. Like he may have even been thinking about, about uh, Philip when he went to Samaria there. But he talks about the churches of God, which in Judea, which in Christ Jesus, where he said this, For you have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. Now I'm going to just tell you tonight, where there's no suffering, there's no growth. There's no trials, there's no growth. There's no hardships, there's no growth. There's no difficulties, there's no, no growth. Hey, Todd Starnes, Todd Starnes was the uh, commentator for uh, Fox Network, News Network. Todd Starnes is a sold-out Christian, he's a born-in Christian, just moved his membership to Lancaster Baptist Church just about three months ago. And Todd Starnes, I've, I've had some time with him. I mean, the, man, the man is bold. I mean, he, he, had, he takes some really rough stuff there. And just today, Fox News Network told him, we're not renewing your contract. He had, he had a pastor on, on his program the other day who takes a strong stand for morality and the Word of God and things of that nature there. And the, and the, and the, and the, and the pastor says something there that they didn't really appreciate. And so they basically told Todd Starnes, hey, you're going to be terminated. We're not going to renew your contract there. And Todd Starnes came boldly out. And he just said, listen, I just want you to know, I'm a Bible-toting Christian. Not, I'm not going to change my position. I know what I believe, and I'm going to stand on it. Listen, this man's going to go through the fire even more than he's done before, but listen, if you get around Todd Starnes, you see a man who loves Jesus Christ, who has a heart for God. He's not afraid, and he's unashamed to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm just saying today that when it comes to the spiritual growth in our life, where there's no suffering, there's no growth. Where there's no trials, there's no growth. Where there's no difficulties, no growth. This church was growing because they were going through much, much suffering. Listen, suffering includes rejection. You're going to be rejected. You're going to be censured. A suffering includes persecutions. A suffering includes personal trials. Notice what he says here about them in, 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 in chapter 1, verse 4 in 2 Thessalonians. He says this, So that we ourselves glory you in the church of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations you endure. Hey, listen, here's Paul's heart. He had to leave Thessalonica. In fact, they told him he had to leave Thessalonica in Acts 17 because it was dangerous for him to be there. But they still had to go through tribulation. They still had to go through suffering. So Paul's getting word back because Timothy's brought him word and Silas has brought him word. And notice he says here in 2 Thessalonians 1.4, he says, We glory in you and all the churches of God for your patience and faith. Hey, listen, patience and faith go together. But patience and faith originate from sufferings and afflictions and difficulties and trials that we go through. Listen, I don't like trials any more than anybody else. I don't like suffering any more than anybody else. But God puts those in our life to teach us that that's the only way we're going to grow in the Lord. So let's look at something else here. Without suffering, there's no growth. 
Without suffering, we won't grow in patience. Without suffering, we want to understand what it means to grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, without suffering, we won't realize how powerful God is. Without suffering, we won't grow in resolve and steadfastness there. So there must be the resolve in suffering. But notice the fourth thing. There must be the rigor of service. Now, we're talking about the means by spiritual. He talked about a church whose faith grows exceedingly. Do you want to grow in the Lord? Amen? You want to grow in Christ? Amen? If you want to go in Christ, listen, you've got to be rooted in the scriptures, and there's a repeat of supplication, and we must have resolve and suffering. But notice, fourthly here, we must be, there must be the rigor of service. Now go back to 1 Thessalonians 1, and notice again how Paul referenced that. This was a church that was active. This was a church on fire for God. Notice verse 3. Remembering without ceasing, your what? Your what? Talk to me. Come on. What? If you're not going to be with I'm going to close the service. You can let you go home. Talk to me tonight. What? To you too. <laughs> You're what? You want me to close the service and let you go home? I'm glad I'm in church tonight. Amen. If you don't love it, I'm going to preach to myself. I am. Amen. Your work of faith. You've got to work out your faith. Hey, faith without works is? Right. Excited Christians are doing some of their faith. Your work of faith. Never get tired of a church that exercises faith. Don't get tired of building programs. Don't get tired of doing business in great waters. In fact, we say we're going to go out to some area and do something. You ought to be the first of all. Says, I'm going to count me in. I'm with it. Amen. I'll take a thousand. Hey, listen. Saturday, this Saturday, all church soul winning. Rearrange your schedule. Come. Let's get 3,000, 4,000 flyers out. It's going to be honest before you know it. I've had several people invited. I had two families, a total of nine people that I invited. Both just told me this week they can't make it. Well, you're going to have to, got to keep working on the other ones there, okay? There's just the law of numbers. That's why I told you. We've got to have about ten names on your list. You work through those names and just trust God that God's going to work in somebody's heart to be there. And you know how it works out? God's going to have you meet somebody the next two weeks that you never met before. You're going to strike a conversation with them. They're going to get interested. They're going to say something like this. You know, I was just thinking about something like that, and they're going to wind up coming to church. Amen, you know? Praise God for that. Hey, we've got to do what we can, but the rigorous service. Notice he talked about this in verse 3. Your work of faith, and what else? What's the second thing? To you too. Let's do it again, okay? You're what? Labor of love. You know, the best servants are those you don't have to pay to do something. They just do it because they love Jesus. Amen? Your labor of love. Your patience of hope. He talks about this serving church. You know, some things, some benefits of service. We develop faithfulness through service. You're not serving the Lord. I encourage you to get involved. We, you're you're going to get an e-bless if you haven't received it already about some church work days coming up in a few days here uh, so we can get the church ready for Friend Day and then again for the Thanksgiving banquet. And uh, we've got some church work days coming and other projects that need to be done. We just There's a lot to be done. Hey, I need a bunch of people to help us clean these vans. We need to get these vans kind of cleaned and, and washed. I mean, it takes a lot of time. One van could take half a day to get cleaned in detail. Just one van, half a day. So we need some time on that. We develop faithfulness through service. We develop responsibility through service. Hey, listen, 
some of the best, some of the people that, are, that can, can testify, that, are, that hold jobs and careers and are doing very well, they started out as, as young people in the church. They were trusted responsibility, started serving. You know what? Serving God through church, they learned, how to, they learned public speaking. They learned how to emcee. They learned to take responsibility. They learned how to organize. They learned things they would not learn in school. And, they, and, and, and if they got to the job site, they would learn. They would be high eight ball. And uh, some of them are out there. They're just thriving because they've learned these things. They learned to be responsible, to be early and on time on things like that. You, you develop responsibility through service. Hey, we develop a love for people through service, okay? And the more you serve, the more you develop a love for you. Don't love the task more than you love the people, amen? You develop a love for people. Then notice something else here. He says, we develop, we develop in sacrifices. Hey, sometimes when you serve the Lord, you're going to have to put overtime in. Hey, sometimes in serving the Lord, you're going to have to come back later at night. Every now and then, the alarm goes off, your sonotro goes off, and one of us here has to respond, and sometimes they want us to come down here for that. Those early days, I was the one. There was no other step. I was the one who came here. When it went off at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, I think God prepared me for that, because that had my father's story. He'd have the alarm go off at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, and then we'd go in, and Dad would have a gun with them, and he'd say, okay, Alan, you go first. I said, Dad, how about give me the gun first, okay? Don't send me in first. I don't want to get shot, you know? But you know, those things happen. Uh, sometimes you, some, we, we view the cameras. We've got cameras surveillance all over the property. We have to review those cameras at nighttime to make sure to find out somebody's on the property late at night. I'm just saying tonight, you know, you develop sacrifice to service. Hey, listen, the best, the best servants for God are the ones, the ones who get it done are the ones who make the sacrifice and they do it lovingly. Notice something else here. We develop commitment through service. Man, you just said, I'll be there. Amen? I hope you'll be there Saturday. Be here this Saturday. We develop commitment through service. I mean, you see, listen, it doesn't take rocket science to come this Saturday and take 100 flyers, put them on 100 doors to invite people to come. People will read them. They'll see them. We've got it in all three languages. They're all ready to go. I don't know where I put it. I think I put it over the side there. But they're all ready to go for you and I to use. And we've got it in all three languages. We've got it color-coded so they can see what's going on. I mean, it's great. There are people going to get these. I mean, these are going to be great flyers to help people just get excited and enthused about Friend Day there. And listen, we develop in faith promise through service because you you know what happens as we interact and we, we, we witness to people and things like that, it gives us a heart for missions and for people there. So we need to, there's the rigor of service. He talks about your labor of love and your work of faith. But notice, fifthly, they were robust in their soul winning. Now, this was a great soul winning church. And I want to encourage you tonight that soul winning should be the norm and not the anomaly for a church. Amen. You ought to be busy about that. You ought to have some tracks in your pocket. You're ready to go. I, I uh, had an appointment the other day, and I went in to get, get some blood drawn, and the, the lady blew the blood. He just started talking to her, and she says, you know, she said, I'm just trying to live a good life. And I said, well, do you, how good do you have to be to go to heaven? And God gave me 30 minutes to witness to her in between things. I mean, she had no other appointments there. Got the gospel to her, gave her some information, went back to my car, gave her some booklets and things. Got to witness to somebody else yesterday. Then went with Brother Eugene on Monday afternoon, and we went knocking on doors, and we got to witness to a lot, a lot of people. I mean, between 335, we probably witnessed about a dozen people people there. I've just got the gospel, a lot of people there, and some interest in some things. I'm just saying tonight, you got to stay so winning. Listen, everybody can be a soul winner. Everyone can give a gospel track out. Everyone can make an invitation. Everyone can find a time to give the plan of salvation. Let me ask this question tonight. Hey, look up here. Look up here. I'm going to ask the deacons this tonight. How many times this year can you count that you've actually sat down and given the plan of salvation to people this year? And ask how many times did you try to, how many times can you count that you gave the plan of salvation out? When I have staff meetings, I ask the guys, I'm not interested in how many tracks you gave out. That's good. I want to know how many times did you witness to somebody this week. They're out there. They're out there. They're waiting to hear the gospel. Okay? I'm thankful for those women who co-labor in the gospel with me. They come back every Saturday. Hey, pastor, this is the number of people we talked to today. And these are people that heard the gospel. These are people that got saved there. They were robust or so. And look at 1 Thessalonians 1.8. This was a strongly evangelistic church. He said in verse 8, for from you sounded out 
or the word echo, you might want to write the word echo, for from you sounded out or echoed the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia, which is where they're at, but even went further south to Achaia, which is where Corinth was at, but also in every place, that, that's phenomenal, every place your faith to God were to spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. Hey, let me tell you something really cool. This year in our anniversary banquet, one of our members invited a, some family members to come down. They sat right over here on this side here. After I finished preaching, I gave an invitation like we always do. And the father and the son both got saved. Here's what's cool. They live in Lodi. Lodi is a good hour, hour and 20 minute drive here depending on traffic. Every now and then, if they can get down here, they'll be here and they'll sit right over there in the corner there, listen to the services. They're on fire for God. And they told me, I saw them come in a few Sundays ago, and I, and I followed them. I, I just stopped my conversation, who I was talking to was shaking hands. I said, hold on here. I ran out to see them, and I stopped them. I said, thank you for coming. They said, Pastor Fong, we just want you to know, even when we're not here, we're watching this church by life. In fact, they're watching live stream right now. We watch the services by live stream. We can't get enough of this. And you know what? We just want all of our family members to know that Jesus saves. And we're trying to get, we're, and in fact, they're talking right now. They want to line up when they can. The next Sunday, they're going to be, they want to get baptized to show their identification of Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. That's pretty cool. Amen. Hey, your, play, your faith spreads abroad. Hey, we've got, a, we've got a big event we're going to do. You pray for this. We've got a big event we're going to do up in Petaluma. I appreciate the heart of Carlos and Mariana Perez. They're great soul winners. They love the Lord. And we're working out. I said, hey, I want you to do like you did in Easter. I said, I gave, I said why don't you start working? We're going to start working it. We're praying. You pray with us that God will give us between 30 and 50 lost people. They'll be at their home. We're going to give the gospel the day before Friday. As part of our Friend Day event, we're going to reach out to. You pray for UC Berkeley. Right now, they have three visitors tonight that are there. Right now, the Bible study, we're praying for God to give them another 10. I told Erwin today, I said, I'm praying for 25 by the end of this, chat, this semester that God will give us there that will be stable, Students. I'm praying for us to have a very thorough effect all throughout UC Berkeley campus for God's glory. And we're just going to start working with those students there. But all of us can do something that God can bless and use. And this church, look at, look at what he says here in verse 8. He says, the, he says, the word of God permeated your life so much, the fervor for, for evangelism. He said, your place and every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. You know what a pastor's great joy and a missionary's great joy is? It's when the believers in the church, the members of the church, they caught it. And they're out winning souls, and they're bringing back the sheaves, and they're bringing back the report. And it's at a place where it's instead of the pastor just kind of pushing the thing ahead, the members are coming in and saying, hey, just want you to know, I you know, got the gospel out today, got 10 people, got 10 invitations out today, and whatever. You know, he says here, every place we go, hey, we're getting the word that your faith is spreading. Now, I'm going to tell you tonight, I'm thankful we've got some fervent soul winners in Heritage Baptist Church. I mean, one of our members was out, was, was, has a gym membership, was working out, texted me at 7 o'clock in the morning, say, Pastor, I ran to somebody I think used to come to our church here, and uh, they got the person back, they were back in church right over here in this corner about two weeks ago, and I said, Praise God for that. Thank you for doing that. I mean, everywhere your faith is spread of God for Jesus Christ. We need to do everything we can to tell people about the Lord. Hey, we've got soul winners out right now. They'll knock on the door and they'll get back to me and say, Pastor, I knocked on the door. This person, do you remember this name? And I'll say, No, because I don't remember the name. They said, They remember you. They said, You knocked on their door X number of years ago, whatever there. And they said, They're going to come back to church. I mean, they remember that. Hey, people remember when you've been to their door and you've been to their home, you've been to their neighborhood. Hey, you, you just decide you're going to be the missionary for your neighborhood. Amen. Let everybody know that you, what's, there, what's there. And I realize maybe you got 
got to be a little careful about some of your neighbors and things like that, but people ought to know who you are and what you represent in Jesus Christ. I'm just saying tonight, this church was robust and they're so winning. They touched the regions of Macedonia and came with the gospel. Then notice something else. We must be resilient when stretched. Now, a lot of people don't like being stretched. They like being comfortable. But being comfortable means I don't want to be bothered. Their favorite verse of scripture is, I shall not be moved. <laughs> and what we need to be is we need to be resilient when God stretches. Listen, God has to stretch our faith. God has to stretch our capability of believing and seeing. And so we've got to do business in great water. Hey, look at the times God stretched the faith of his, his people. He stretched your faith by crossing a Red Sea. He stretched your faith in crossing a Jordan River. He stretched your faith by facing armies larger than them or giants that towered over them. Uh, he stretched Elijah's faith by bringing a dead child back to life. Uh, he stretched the faith of Elisha in the same way. Uh, they stretched the faith of the church at Jerusalem by praying Peter out of prison. Uh, they, they, Paul's faith was stretched there at Lystra when, when he was stoned. They left him for dead. And as, as, the, as the small band of believers were around him, he got back up and he went right back into the city. And then he went again outside there's other places. I'm just saying, God, God stretched our faith. Hey, Paul, God Paul stretched Paul's faith by turning him around. He didn't have him go east. He had him go west, and the Holy Spirit suffered him not. And there at Troas, the Holy Spirit enlightened him and said, I want you to hear the voice on the, the face of a man from Macedonia. As he did so, he went into Macedonia, and he brought the gospel there. And he bounced back after a setback. Hey, we walk by faith and not by sight. Listen, if you're going to grow exceedingly, you've got to let God stretch your faith exceedingly to do something bigger than you've done before. Finally, tonight, we see the, the mark in a faith that grows exceedingly, the means in a faith that grows exceedingly quickly tonight, which you notice the manifestation. How do you know? How did Paul see that their faith was growing exceedingly? Now, in modern-day Christianity, he likes to use a lot of surveys. And in these surveys, it's just to help give a gauge by which someone could determine, am I growing? But I think you know whether you're growing or not. Just think about what you talk about. What do you think about? What are you praying about? What are the scriptures doing for you? How's God changing you? And I want you to notice these manifestations of a faith that grows exceedingly quickly tonight. First of all, you'll be doctrinally sound. You'll be doctrinally sound. You won't be blown about with false winds of doctrine. You'll be able to discern, is this the gospel or is this, something, or is this an uncertain sound? You know, musicians are trained with their ears. They know when a right sound and uncertain sound. You're going to know an uncertain sound. You won't be blown about with false winds of doctrine or the authors they who advocate doctrines that wrongly interpret Scripture. Be careful if you're one who's a reader that you're reading all these different re the, the, the authors of the day and you're getting nothing out of it. I remind you today, you've got to be careful. There's always poison inside that pot, amen? So be careful of that. So you, you'll be doctrinally sound. Secondly, you'll have much fruit. Your, growing, your faith is growing seemingly. There will be much fruit. John 15, 7 and 8, which we read, read earlier. God is glorified with much fruit. Look at 2 Peter 1, 9. We were just in 2 Peter. Go back to 2 Peter again. Notice what he says. I want you to read this with me because it's powerful. 2 Peter 1, 9. He talked about all these things that we need to add to our faith. And then he said in chapter, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, For if these things, all those increments of grace, those eight increments of grace be in you, for if they be, these things be in you and abound... They make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That he that lacketh these things. Okay, so let's go backwards. What am I lacking? Well, is there virtue? Is there knowledge? Is there temperance? Is there godliness? Is there brotherly kindness? 
is there charity? He, said, he says, he that lack of these things is blind and cannot see afar. In other words, he's saying you have spiritual myopia. You are spiritually nearsighted. If you lack these things, you're blind and cannot see very far. And you have forgotten that you were purged from your old sins. So there's our gauge right now. We need to understand, is there much fruit? Or are we barren? Or are we unfruitful? Okay. Notice thirdly here tonight, how do, you, how do you know there's a faith that grows exceedingly? Well, thirdly, your faith is endued with the power of God. Look at, go back to 2 Thessalonians. Look what he says in verse 11. In verse, verse 3, he talked about a faith that grows exceedingly. In verse 4, he talks about faith and patience. But notice in verse 11, Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith, notice, with power. Faith is endued with power. Faith, you have faith to do greater things. God's power is on what you say and do. You have power in temptations. You have power when, when, in people work. You are spirit-filled. He talks about here in times of persecution, difficulty. God gives you the power, the ability to get through this. What I talked about earlier, resilience and suffering. Your ability to be resilient when you're stretched there. And then fourthly tonight, you'll love others just as God loves you. Go back to chapter 1, verse 3. Paul said this, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you, the agape love. And he doesn't talk about a, just a certain individual. He's talking about the church. Every one of you, every one of you, towards each other, abounded. Now, that was difficult because you know how the, what the church was made up of in those early days? It was these businesswomen that got, that got saved. And women were ill-treated. They were discriminated against. They were ill-treated in the church. But the love that they had, that the men had towards Jesus, abounded. There were Gentiles in the church. And there were Jews in the church. And there were slaves in the church. And there were poor people in the church. But the love that they had towards each other bounded. Listen, they had their agape love feast. And they shared with one another. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't ill-treating each other like they did in Corinth. I mean, they were treating other, each other well. They thought about each other in a wonderful way. They were filled with the love of God. Dolly Madison was the wife of the fourth president of the United States. And they say that perhaps that she was one of the most popular women in, in American history. Wherever she went, she charmed and captivated everyone that was around her, whether obscure or well-known, rich or poor, men and women alike. They asked her, they thought, well, you know, Dolly, you've got such a charismatic personality. You have just such a winsome way with people. They said, it must be your personality. It must be your charisma that's doing that. They said, what is the secret to your ability in all circles, private and public? What is the secret to your ability to draw people and get people to do things and have a loving dis and having people have a loving disposition towards each other? What is the secret towards how you have such charisma? And this is what she said. Power over people? I have none. I desire none. I merely love everyone. And that was said by a non-Christian woman. Power over everyone, I have none. I desire none. I merely love everyone. Hey, tonight, can you read 1 John chapter 2 and John 15 and John 17, where Christ talks about loving one another? Does that touch your heart? That that's, a, that's a measurement of grace and growing in love and loving the body? Or you're so enclosed around yourself or you're a little thing that you don't even realize everybody else exists. The only thing that exists is you. And then fifthly, notice this. This is the last thing. Would you go to, go to Galatians 4.19, please? So we're talking about these manifestations of an exceeding of faith that grows exceeding. Where doctrine sound, you'll have much faith. Your faith is endued with the power of God. You'll love others like God loves them. But notice this last thing. Here's what Paul said. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again. Now what he's talking about there, he's like, 
you know, they, they had regressed, they had backslid, there was no spiritual growth. And he says, you know, I'm travailing. He's talking like, like a, a birthing mother, if you would. He says, I travail in birth for you again. He feels like he says, I'm, I'm bringing you through the birthing process all over again. Now, he's not saying they needed to get saved again. Once you're saved, you're always saved. But here's what he's saying. He's talking about their growth. He says, my little children of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. And here's the ultimate as we close tonight. The ultimate manifestation of a faith that grows exceedingly is Christ forming in you. Can people say, do people know Christ is in us? Do they realize we're satisfied with Jesus Christ? They realize we love Jesus Christ. Are you more in love with the church than you are with Christ? It's like I've said before, they, many times we get too caught up with inviting people to church to try to get them into the church. The goal is not to get them into church as much as it is to get them into a relationship with God. The greatest need a person has is a strong and vibrant relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if you don't love church, you're not really, you're not fond of church. It might be because you're not in love with Jesus Christ. And my starting point for you tonight is get to know Jesus. Get saved tonight if you're not saved. And then if you are saved, get to know Jesus and grow in Jesus. And just say tonight, my life's passion, my life desire is him and him alone. Christ being formed in us. For Christ to be formed in us, there's a lot of humility. For Christ being formed in us, we must be poor in spirit. For Christ being formed in us, there's some things we need to do that we don't necessarily like to do. But that's how Christ abounds in us. Paul talks about tonight a church membership whose faith was growing exceedingly. And then notice verse 4. He looks at them and he commends them as a model for other churches. He says, so that we ourselves glory in you in the church of God. Now, there are many churches that have been established. One of the great churches of that day was the church at Antioch, the church of Jerusalem, the church of Samaria, the church at Philippi, the churches of Galatia, other places, Cyprus, places like that. You know what Paul said here? We glory in you in the church of God for your patience and faith and your persecution. He said, you know what? This church is a model church of a faith that grew exceedingly. Let's honor God tonight. Let's please the Lord. Not be children in understanding. Perhaps children in malice, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians. But let's grow. Don't be little children. Let's grow in the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, young men, I write unto you that you're, because you're strong in the word of God. Be strong in the word. Be rooted in the scriptures. Be repeat in your supplications. Be resolved when, it, when, when you're going through suffering. Be, be, be resilient when you're stretched. Be robust in your soul winning. Have rigor in your service. And listen, just step up tonight, amen? Just step up and get excited for the Lord and just realize tonight, God wants to do something great in your life, my life, and the life of this church. Just go on. Just go and do business in greater waters.